I don't know why they put a pulpit for me. I'll probably walk away from it, but I'm getting old now. I can't remember my notes anymore. It's amazing to be here. Thank you. Thank you for your warm hospitality. I said to the guys, um, earlier I said you must never lose the wow factor of why you're together. And uh, in the old church, they put stained glass windows up and... uh, as the sun shines, all those beautiful colors come through. In the modern church, you are the stained glass window. And um, never ever stop wondering when the sun shines through a stained glass window. When you see different parts of people's lives, we should just stop and say, wow. And um, don't take your togetherness for granted. Enjoy every moment of it. Use it to celebrate, bless people, send them out for dinner, invest in them, pray for them, give their kids a gift but just, just enjoy it, celebrate it, amen? And so um, we're preaching the same scripture again, hey? Doug, what do you reckon, Hebrews 12? Thank you, Riggs, for finding this. I think it's an amazing text. I think the, the issue is anchoring. We find ourselves secure in it. So let's read it again, and then um, we'll see how the apostles and the teachers would preach it, and then how I'm going to preach it. <laughs> so, so let's see how we do. Therefore... Um, everything that goes before. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses that aren't cheering us on, they're watching Jesus, as Doug told us, and my dad calls them witnesses. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance. Say perseverance. Perseverance. Say perseverance. perseverance. My title is Keep On Keeping On. And so I think I'm quite a good guy to speak on that. I've been doing the same job for 30 years. I'm married to the same wife. Although I've got two older kids and two younger kids, it looks like I swapped her somewhere along the line and then had two more children. But same wife, and um, there have been times that I've suffered from depression, and I've been on antidepressants, and there was a time that I was with a psychiatrist because I lost my, my marbles. And, um, so, and I'm still standing. And... Um, about six years ago, I had a nervous breakdown. I was sitting in a meeting, and um, I had a, one of those watches on, and my heart rate is about 58, and my heart rate went to 140. And I said to the guy, I think I'm having a heart attack, and he didn't know what to do as a financial advisor. <laughs> he said, invest quickly, sign the will. You know? <laughs> sign it, sign it, sign it. And his exact words were, um, I, 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 I don't know what to do. So I thought, well, let me get out of here. So I got in my car and I drove to Joburg at 50 k's, to Pretoria at 50 k's an hour. I went to the doctor. I said, I think I'm having a heart attack. He took my bloods. He said, go and get into bed. He said, I'll get hold of you tomorrow. And he went on holiday and didn't get hold of me for four days. <laughs> and I spent three months in bed. And um, so when I say, let's keep on keeping on, let's persevere, it doesn't come with a, hey, dig deep because Jesus is good. It comes with a, I've actually done it, and um, it's not always easy. I I, I travel around with a set of tablets that are for anxiety attacks. I haven't had one in five years, but I still carry them around because I'm scared that one day I might have an anxiety attack. I think the gospel has healed me, um, but I still carry those tablets around. They're 10. I got given 10. I haven't used one yet, but they say, well, why don't you just leave them behind? Sometimes I find ministry hard. So... This comes from a deep pain, I think, of empathy and yet a victory in Christ. 
Amen? And so if we answered it, because I know there's somebody who's got this answer that look to Jesus, fix your eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter, so somebody's going to preach on that tomorrow. And, and we, we as theologians, <coughs> I include myself, should be able to answer any question in the text from the actual text, eh? So we should just have to go back to, to Hebrews and it says, let us not stop meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Let us see how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. These are all the things that help us with perseverance, eh? But I, but I want to take you into the recesses of my heart and, and, and show you what God showed me in Psalm 139 on how to, it's very practical and it will help you to dig deep for a long period of time. David served God for his whole generation. I think sometimes we get so committed to the next generation that we forget to serve God in our generation. And uh, the Bible says David served God in his generation. And some of those guys like Spurgeon and some of those great giants actually never left um, a succession plan, but we still refer back to them. And, and, and maybe some of us will leave unbelievable sons in the faith and some of us might not. We might just leave a legacy that they served God for their generation. Amen? So let's have a look at Psalm 139. I want to share four things with you on how to keep on keeping on. Four very simple things. This is what they are. Have an ever-increasing revelation of Jesus. Have an ever-increasing revelation of Jesus. Number two, have an ever-increasing revelation of yourself. Now, you know, friends, the problem sometimes when we preach Jesus so much, we actually under-preach ourselves. We are geniuses. God designed me as a genius. I'm meant to do something on this earth that counts for God. And you've got to be so careful. It's like we nothing, nameless faces. God doesn't use nameless faces, people. He names people and he faces them and he actually asks us to stand up and count for him. Obviously, in the perspective of a very big Jesus. You know, I always say this, glory God, glorify God, but honor men. Don't, don't glorify men. Glorify God, but you can honor men. You can actually call men out. I was looking at Sue. Sue's got this unbelievable gift. Sue's got the, you know, in cricket you'll call it eye-hand coordination. But Sue's got an eye-hand coordination that is unmatched. Sue will touch you before anybody else would touch you because her eye can see. So her eye and her hand are linked. So, so you'll see Sue will touch people all over. Watch that. Watch that yesterday. So go and touch people all over her room because her eye and her hand are linked. That's a gift. You've got to celebrate that gift. You've got to enjoy that gift. And there's a heart that's linked to it. So with that gift comes generosity, words, presence. So things like, I'll put a sheet there with your duvet because in case you're hot, you can just sleep under the sheet. Not many people do that. You just go to a room and there's a duvet. Now there's a duvet and a sheet to, so you can choose. You see, those are, no, but those are gifts. And we build the church like that, amen? Yeah, so, so let's read Psalm 139 and we're gonna look at the four things. Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. It's like God's all over me. He's all around me. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O oh Lord. We must be overwhelmed by this. You hem me in behind and before you have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. That's remarkable, hey? You laid your hand on me, God. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. 
If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me and your right hand will hold me fast. You know how I, I, I travel? I get off the airplane and I say, good morning, Father. I go into a meeting and I say, good morning, God. I say, Jesus, you're already here because the Bible says, if I go up there, you're there. If I go there, you're there. If you go there, you're there. If I go there, you're there. So I go into business meetings. I'm not a very good businessman. And I'm in these meetings with these big CEOs and I just say, good morning, Jesus. He called me. I didn't call him. I don't have to stand in the church and say, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. He, he, it wasn't my idea, it was his idea. And so, so how do you keep on keeping on? So when you get to your Sunday, don't say, oh Lord, come, Lord, come. He was there long before you were even born. He called you to the mission. I mean, this is, this is not Rigby's idea. Before Rigby's mother and father ever met, this church existed. And, and then he just called him. He said, you come here, and I'm going to teach you about myself. And when I teach you about myself, there will be enough information about myself to gather people, lead them, and set them free. Amen? That's how we keep on keeping on. Otherwise, we, we get very lonely. And one of the things is like, you feel lonely, you feel isolated, you think, who loves me? All those things. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. So the first, second thing is, get a high view of yourself. For you created my inmost being. Ryan mentioned it from Jeremiah. This is the, 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 the Psalms of it. For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. You know what I did when I walked into Rigby's house yesterday? The first thing that he said to me, we walked into his house, he said, have you seen my dining room? I said, no, I haven't seen your dining room. And he said, have you ever seen my mum? That's a strange thing. He didn't know what I was preaching on. I said, no, Riggs, I've never seen your mum. He said, there's my mum. Isn't she beautiful? And I thought, Riggs, you were knit together in that woman's womb. Her womb was a miracle factory. And I looked at that woman and I looked at my friend walking away and I thought, God, you've put this man together in such a beautiful way. He, he, he's old now, but he's wise beyond his years. No, no, no I'm, not, I'm not joking. I'm not joking. He's wise way beyond his years. Every sentence is loaded with something. There's depth, there's width, there's height, there's length to his sentences. He's building, he's positioning, he's helping, he's underpinning, he's apostolic, he's partner related. And I think that was put together in that woman's womb. I'm going to say, wow. Woman, put your hands on your tummy, for those of you who have had children. Put your hand, you think, this is a miracle making factory. You, you must hear how Rigby speaks to Sue. You must hear how he speaks about the church. You must hear how he speaks about the movement. These are gifts that we've put together in his mother's womb. He's got a gift of words. Are you with me? How do we keep on keeping on? I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Say I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Do you believe that? Because I tell you what, when I was sitting in front of a psychiatrist, I thought, frick, I need to get out of here. I need to give up ministry and go and sell hamburgers. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. 
Your works are wonderful, I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Before my mother and father met, God knew that on this day, I would have the privilege of opening the Bible in front of you with the gift of God upon my life. And so I don't stand here by chance. I don't even stand here by choice. I stand here because God ordained it. And that way I can confidently preach to you knowing that something in my heart can change and encourage something in your heart. Do you understand this, guys? This is holy ground. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. If only you would slay the wicked, O God. Away from me, you bloodthirsty men. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate? Say hate. hate. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord, and, lay, and abhor those who are against you? I have nothing but hatred. Say hatred. For them, I count them my enemies. The third way you keep on keeping on is you go to war with God's enemies. We are in war with God's enemies and at peace with God's friends. We'll talk about that just now. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See to me if there's any offensive. Say offensive. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the life everlasting. Friends, four ways to keep serving God for a long time. Ever-increasing revelation of Jesus. Secondly, an ever-increasing revelation of myself. Third thing, a hatred of God's enemies. And fourth thing, a search of the offensive ways inside of you. If you do that, and I'm talking as a man who fell down hard six years ago, and I'm still standing and I'm still preaching. If people said to me, now if you invited me, if Ryan said to me today, Rory, you're preaching at Common Ground on Sunday, or one of you invited me to your church, you're preaching, what would you preach on? I would preach on Jesus. Because when life is changed, that's what the whole book of Hebrews is about. People are under pressure, the economy is under pressure, they're being persecuted, and they preach Jesus, a very high view of Jesus. Revelation 2, he's the king, he sat down, he is the brother, he is the hero, that word author is hero, he's the guy who slayed Goliath, preacher. He is the apostle and the high priest. If you get exhausted from ministry, then go in before you go out because the apostle and the high priest are linked. You've got to spend as much time going in as you spend going out because when you go in, you get power to go out. When you go out too much like we did, at one stage, we were an apostolic movement that went out. We spent more time going out than we spent going in. We got exhausted. When he links apostle and high priest together, it means he wants you to exercise going in and going out together. If you said to me, what must I preach? I would say, preach Revelation 1 to the church. Stand up, learn it, friends. You don't even understand the theology of Revelation, but in the book of Revelation, there's 71 different names of Jesus. It starts like this, the Revelation of Jesus Christ. Capital J, capital C. And I say this to people, if you just gave Jesus the capital J and the capital C in your life for three months, everything in your life will change. Just take capital J, capital C and put your money there, put your children there, put your marriage there, put your finances there, put your church there and I'm telling you in three months everything will look different. Just give him capital J, capital C. The revelation of Jesus Christ. Capital letters. Who was and is and is to come. He has always been faithful to me. I've served him for 40 years 
And when I got to the place where I was shaking, I had to go to the Jesus who was and is and is to come. We've got to have an increasing revelation. He hems me in behind and before. He knows when I sit and He knows when I rise. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the first and the last. We've got to preach Him, friends. You've got to stand in your pulpits, guys. You've got to get into prayer and you've got to declare Christ. It's going to help people keep going on. I was at an ice cream shop the other day. I preached in, 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 in Belito on a business conference. And I went to the ice cream shop and there's a young Indian girl there. And I was reading Revelation 1. I am the first and the last. And I said to her, where do you live? I don't know why I said that. She said, I live alone. I said, I didn't ask you who you live with. I said, where do you live? She said, I live alone. I said, no, that's not my question. My question is, where do you live? She said, I live alone. I said, why do you live alone? She said, I'm an orphan. You see, the first word over her life is not orphan. The first word over her life is Jesus. And the last word over her life is Jesus. And I have a business. And in that business, I put money aside to look after orphans. And now I'm putting that young girl through an educational program because I happen to buy an ice cream from her, but Jesus is everywhere. He watches my coming and he watches my going. And when you become aware of him, friends, we start to declare his name wherever we are. Amen? I am the first and the last. I am the bright morning star. You don't know where to go? He's the bright morning star. Spend time with him. He'll give you direction. You know, that's how I, I, was, I was thinking of you today, Ryan. It says, he loves me. I, I've watched your journey, theologically journey, where some of your friends have left. You know, friends, you, if you serve Jesus, everything that Jesus went through, we will go through. So he was betrayed. He was falsely accused. His best friend left him. So if it happened to Jesus, you've got to know it happens to you. But if you're not secure in the knowledge that God loves you, despite your best friend, you won't keep on keeping on. You think it's too hard. They just, I've shown so much, I've put so much time, so much effort, so much energy, so much. I've seen it in weddings. I've done three, I did my 327th wedding on Saturday. They pay the photographer 30,000 rand. They pay the video guy 30,000 rand. They hire the venue for 150,000 rand. I've got a collection of Woolworths ties that are longer than this room. <laughs> True story, eh? One guy said to me, I know why you do so many weddings. I said, why? He said, make a couple of extra bucks. I said, okay, China, you give up your Saturday with me. I said, I tell you what, you share the cost, we'll share the gift. He said, what do you mean share the cost? I said, the petrol, the time, all those things. I'm a, I'm a professional. I've done this often. So I'm a professional. So I picked him up at seven in the morning. We drove 300 kilometers. We did the wedding. <laughs> Hello, and I said, a couple of photographs. <laughs> Five course meal, all those things. Get in the car, drive home, drop them. I said, hey, but remember, hey, five o'clock tomorrow, we need to get up to pray to go to church because we've got to lead the church. And, and when I got the prisoner's doorstop, I said, you can have it because I don't know how to cut it in half. But the petrol bill China was 800 bucks. So if you can give me the 400 bucks, it'll be lacquer. You see, you pour yourself out like a drink offering. And, and when you lose sight of the, of, of the mystery, when you lose sight of the thing, then this stuff becomes too hard. Amen? 
I'm the Alpha and the Omega. So, so he, he's the alphabet. He puts it all together. When the letters seem scrambled, because I'm ADD and I'm, I'm a little bit dyslexic, when it all seems scrambled, I just go to the Alpha and the Omega, and he just starts to line it all up for me. He holds the keys of death and Hades. There's sometimes I don't know how to open the door. Sometimes it feels like I'm, he holds the keys of death and Hades. I am the living one. I am the firstborn from amongst the dead. Sometimes I just feel dead inside. He is the firstborn from amongst the dead. Preach a big Jesus. Just remember he's all around you. He's working with you. He's working through you. And as you elevate him, you will get enough energy and enough enthusiasm, enough power to keep going even when it doesn't feel like it. Amen? The, the second thing, guys, is that we need an honest revelation of ourselves. And, and, and let me speak negatively, because I don't like speaking negatively, but one of the gifts God gives us is restriction. He always does. He never gives us the full package because he wants us to live in team. Let us consider. Let us enter the place. Let us, because we don't all have the answer. So, so we have to acknowledge restriction. I mean, Jesus, God did that with Jesus. He put him in the womb. Can you imagine putting the king of kings into a womb for nine months? Jesus, in a dark womb. And if he had fought against that, we would have not seen the birth of the kingdom. So restriction is a gift to us. It, it allows the kingdom to come. And, and, and also, if you don't understand restriction and you race next to the guy, you'll end up burning out because you'll do what you're not anointed to do. So let's make an honest assessment. Who makes the assessment of you? Somebody has to speak honestly. You, you need an, you're not friends. I can build a big church. Not difficult for me. I was 27 when I took over a church. It exploded. And, and then I realized I can lead. I, I, I don't think I'm particularly clever. I don't think, but I can lead. And I can actually raise money. So, so don't go and try and raise 90 million rand because you might not be gifted for it. So, so when I raised 90 million, it wasn't actually the most stressful part of my life to raise 90 million rand in COVID. I mean, I know God had to come through and there's miracle upon miracle upon miracle. But it actually, if I look back, it wasn't the biggest. I'm bored now. And so you've got to, you've got to see what comes naturally to you. I mean, I watched Ryan in the meeting. He, he's got an unbelievable brain that sort of joins the dots. It's unbelievable. You have been fearfully and wonderfully made to put this, the dots together. And, and, and guys, we need to include the African guy because it's an African context. And, and this is not about a few people preaching. This is about an integration. And, and we need to, and, and all of a sudden, the thing starts coming together. I think, this guy's a genius. And you wonder when you look behind and there's just a whole lot of building that takes place. But, he, but he's got this very beautiful wife that sits next door that, that, that is actually, she's got unbelievably soft hands. And, 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 so, and so you, you know there's this, and, and, and celebrate your gifts, guys. I watched their worshiping yesterday on her knees. And I think the blessing of this home is that actually there's this strategy, but there's this worship. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Knit together in my mother's womb. You know, you know that. You know the problem with a guy like you, Honor, is because he's so funny and because he's so big and because he's so loud, people don't realize that you've got a leadership gift in your life. You've got an ability to take people from one place to another place. And, and 
every time I've heard you speak, it's directional, it's authoritative, because you were knit like that. You were made like that. It's beautiful. You want, you, want to, you want to serve God for a long time? Look in the mirror and say, Father, how did you make me? And how do I give 90% of my life to that thing only and nothing else? You know, friends, apostolic movements and all these things, that's the latest trend. I realize this. I can multiply church. I can make the numbers grow, but I can't multiply church. I can't get a movement going. I've never tried, but I know I don't have grace for it. And so I don't do it. And so I can come here and be a blessing because I'm not trying to win people. I'm not trying to persuade people about my way. I can actually just come and serve and stir and hopefully leave a deposit of whether it's the Father or whether it's Jesus in Revelation. I leave a deposit and then I leave. Do you understand that? Make an honest assessment of your gift. Not like, hey, I just want to be humble. Doug, you can preach. You can preach. It's a gift. You've got a gift of putting phrases together and words together. You can preach. Ask God to multiply it. Ask God to give you more opportunities for it. One of our elders the other day was telling us, I didn't know this. He's telling us that, that his dad built a stage, his dad was a pastor. His dad built a stage, he was 12 years old, and um, his dad built a stage, and, and they put all the things, they didn't have a drum kit, they were in, in um, Kamatipur, so they got in the car, they drove to uh, Johannesburg, they bought a drum kit, they drove back, they put the drum kit on the stage, that's a thousand kilometer round journey, and, and Eugene said to his dad, 12 years old, dad, who's going to play the drums? He said, Eugene, I've noticed that when you're around, like the table and that, you tap in all these things, you've got a gift for drumming. He said, dad, I've never played the drums in my life. He said, then get on the drums, I'm going to go and pray. And he said, he started to play the drums and he looked into the office and he saw his dad's with his hands up and he started to play. And he only said, he said, I played the drums in the church for 30 years. His dad recognized that he had a gift in his life. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made knitted together in my mother's womb. Every day ordained for me was written in your book before one of them came to be. I honor your mum today, Rigby Wallace. I honor your mum today. I honor you as my friend. And I'll never forget that picture in your dining room. Because inside of that woman's womb is a miracle that I see. And that miracle has produced much fruit. I love the way you speak about your wife. It's very beautiful. It's the way I think Jesus would speak about the church. You have not missed one opportunity, whether we've got in the car or got to the house, to bless your wife. You have not missed one opportunity to bless Ryan and Kate, to bless the men and women on this team. He told me about your, your preaching gift. He said, you're one of the sharpest minds he's ever met. So when I met you yesterday, I could say, actually, I've heard about you from Rigby. He's never scared to bless. He's never scared to empower he could go into any room in this context and be the lead and he's chosen to give it away. It's beautiful. Do you understand, friends, if we, if we live in this, we actually get some, some go-ahead. The third thing is we have to hate. Say hate. Say hate. Hate. We've got to hate what God hates. I'm saying hate what God hates. Hate it. 
We hate unforgiveness. We hate it. We hate bitterness. We hate it. We hate insecurity. Insecurity is an enemy of God. You can't preach a righteous, just Christ and live with insecurity. It's impossible. You can't do that, friends. We have to keep looking at Jesus. And the more we look at Jesus and put our brokenness into Jesus and put our identity into Jesus, we've got to deal with the brokenness in our own heart. A very big Christ. A very honest understanding of our own genius and a hatred of anything that he hates. An absolute hatred. And a love for what he loves. And sometimes, friends in ministry, what happened to me is you swap them around. You become a friend of God's enemy and an enemy of God's friend. And when you're under pressure, you tighten your hands. When God said strengthen your hands, I don't believe it was to make them strong. The hands of Christ that were strong were the hands that were open. When he says strengthen your hands, I believe it's the muscles to keep your hand. God loves generosity. Loves it. He hates stinginess. You want to count for God for a long time? This is how he said, God so loved the world that he, say it. That's what we know what God loves. You see, friends, we get taught in the church, if you've got two, give to the one that's got none. That's not how God works. The Bible says he gave his one and only son. You think I'm a bit whack with my number plates? Yes, I am. I told you, don't try it at home. I said, I've served God for 40 years. I've served him for 40 years. I know how God speaks to me. I know the scriptures. It has to come from the Bible. But you know the most amazing thing? When we're in, and some of you are going to building, but I've, I've done two major building projects. The first one, my wife was pregnant with our daughter. My daughter's name is Nasia, N-A-S-I-A. You've probably never heard it before, Chris Vinan's daughter. You can just turn it down, take it off for a moment. And when we were building, we had no money. We were a young family, and we put everything into the building project, everything. So my daughter came home to her brother's cot, the same color walls, and no curtains. And I was happy with that at that time. I, I look back now and I think I'm stupid. God is enough to provide for the building, but that's what we did. That's, that's my river. At that time, it was a, it was a very radical generosity. But, but you know, friends, if you love generosity, the Bible says God can't be mocked. What you sow, you will reap. And sometimes I've doubted, I think, God, you know, maybe I should have just done a room up. And then she met a man, Joshua. And, and Joshua came to visit and I put a, a list on his bed. Number one, I don't like you. Number two, anything you do to my daughter, I will do to you. I said, if you stick your tongue in her ear, I will stick my tongue in your ear. He came out pale. <laughs> but he said, Mr. Dyer, can I, can I speak to you? So we went into my office and he said, Mr. Dyer, I give you my word. I will never, ever enter your daughter's bedroom until the day that I get married to her. And all of a sudden it clicked. I sewed her bedroom into a building fund and I reaped a holy fiancé. 
God cannot be mocked. Hate what he hates, love what he loves, and you will be able to last for a long time. He loves faith. Doug, I was praying for you today. He loves faith. In my prayer, I thought, imagine if you just ask God to double your church in the next year. Just to double it. Just, you, you, you're so humble. Just say, God, would you use the words that I preach? Stop making an excuse for a gift that you've got in your life. Preach it with fire in your bones and you will see multiplication. And the Bridges Project that God has given to you, Riggs, I just thought, imagine if you could put a date, 18th of March or 18th of April next year, to say, actually, that thing's going to be paid off. You need 18 million rand? I just felt like 18th of March, 18th of April. Just trust God. He loves faith. Trust Him. Trust Him. You know, when we're in our building project and, 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 we're, and the money and the end of this coming in slowly and I felt God say, he who started a good work will bring it to completion, set a date and I'll make the final payment. And I said, guys, on the 16th of May, we're taking up a final offering. We were in the middle of COVID. We're taking up a final offering. I didn't say we needed 5.2 million rand to come. I've never had 5.2 million rand come up in an offering. We were in COVID, so we had to have a rolling service. We had people on the stage. We had buckets, and people just came for 12 hours. People came. They had a worship thing playing, and people dropped money in the, in the just, and I just thought, oh, 10 rand, 10 rand, 10 rand. It's going to take a long, lot of time to get 5 million rand. <laughs> uh, 10 rand, 10 rand, 10 rand, 10 rand, 10 rand. And then at the end of the day, friends, we poured all the money onto the stage, and I just started seeing my staff just drop. Bang, 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 bang. Spirit of God hit us. People just dropped. And started to weep. It was so holy inside there, like we had yesterday morning, so holy. For 45 minutes, nobody could touch the money. And then we started to count it in, in piles 100 rand piles, 200 rand piles, a couple of gold coins, a couple of pounds. And when we added it all up, 5.25 million rand there. Because God loves generosity, He loves faith, He loves declaration. Imagine paying off that project. Mark van Pletzen's not here, but he's in a building project. He has to raise 11 million. I felt in my heart, Mark, by the end of December, paid off. God loves it. Let's trust him. Let's ask him. You know what? When you got saved, you ask big questions. You can educate your kids at private schools if you want to. How? Well, Rory, we don't have a dad like you. Friends, we have the biggest financier who paid for so many boys because it was Hilton's 150th year. He phoned me and said, hey, Dyer, what's it gonna cost to get your son to Hilton? I said, it's gonna cost you nothing, China. Because I'm linked to a father. I'm not linked to human resources. I'm linked to God. Amen? Today, friends, before you leave this property, ask God some big questions. He loves faith. Ask him about buildings. Ask him about elders. Ask him about your sabbatical. Ask him. I'll tell you this, Ron. I don't, I don't want to lose my reward. We will put 100,000 rand towards your sabbatical. You take your family wherever you want to take them. No, 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 no. It's not difficult for me. It's not difficult for me. I'm just telling you, I'm operating in my gift. That's what God designed me for. 
I, I don't want praise. I, I worship Jesus. Jesus gave me a gift to raise money, and I've got to release it and show you he's given you different gifts. Some of you can write courses. Some of you can preach. Use your gift. Trust God. Ask him to multiply it, but don't leave here the same. Your mind, buddy. I, I don't know how as a young age you've got such a clear mind. It's a gift from God to you. You were designed in your mother's womb with clear thinking patterns. God can put that on steroids. You are a humble man. You have a, my dad always used to say to me, if a man has got authority and he's got humility, you must become his friend because that man will take many, many steps. You, my mate, have got authority and humility upon your life. It is a double gift that God has given to you. And while those two be, stay friends, you will be opened up to indoors, all, you will preach on every single continent of this world. I prophesy that over you. Keep humility and authority as your friend. Keep allowing God to expand your brain and to show you things. It's going to come easier and easier and easier. Keep a pen and a book next to your bed at night. He's going to give you dreams and visions and thoughts. You're going to write them down in the morning. You're going to be amazed. When I was writing out my daughter's marriage certificate, you can put that, and I started to cry because I thought, when I hand this in, her name's gonna change, and that car came and parked next to me. That's her name. And I felt God say, she'll change her surname, but she'll never ever change the name that you gave her. Friends, we just, we need, and I'm thinking, have you ever seen a number plate like that? Have you ever heard a name like that? But, but, but guys, I've served God for, for 40 years. I've walked with him. He is around me. I, I expect him, when, when I walk, I expect him to arrive. I sit down at a coffee shop and I say, good morning, Lord. I, I was reading, a, we've got a new set of coffee shops in Pretoria called Plato. I was reading my Bible the other day and I was writing notes and a guy walked behind me and said, strange book to read in a public place. That's like shooting yourself in the head and saying, I've given the next hour and a half of my life away. <laughs> so I said, yeah, China. Strange book, eh? I said, have you ever read it? He said, I hate it. I said, awesome. I said, and, and have you ever read it? He said, no, I've never read it. I said, if you explained it in one sentence, what would it be? He said, if I don't believe in Jesus, I go to hell. I said, that's true. But I said, I've read it about 50 times. And if I explained it in one word, the word would be, Father, tell me about your dad. <laughs> I said, have a seat, bro. John 14, Hebrews Chapter 1, Exodus 4. I said, read this Psalm 139. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, knit together in my mother's womb. You know what happened to him six weeks ago? He just walked into our church. Oh. Yeah, because, because God is at coffee shops and God called me to reveal his name. And when I honor him and I'm generous and I'm faithful, then he pitches up. He gives me number plates and he releases finances and he helps me bless people and, and we sow money and and it comes back and just do what God's called you to do. Keep going on. The enemy hates us. 
The world is, is infiltrating us. Culture is distorting us. Just keep on preaching a big Jesus. Even if your best friends leave. When your best friends leave, you just say, he loves me. Romans chapter 8, the spirit, big S, testifies to my spirit, little S, that I am the son of God. To say, oh, you're a useless preacher. As he walks out, the big S speaks to me and says, I'm adopted. And finally, check my heart. See if there's any offensive way inside of me. You know what Riggs said to me? He's got, a, he's got a wonderful way, Riggs. He said, you know, draw. your theology and ours is actually the same. And it is. I am a reformed theologian. I believe in the sovereignty of God. He said, don't fight us with your charismatic. He said, it's just a battle. And I said, okay, I get that. So, so it's offensive. It's, it's, not, it's not like offensive, like ah, spitting or coughing or swearing. It's just, it's, it's, an un, no, no, it's an unhelpful habit in trying to prove your point. You don't have to prove your point. You're not fighting us. I said, okay, Riggs, I'll, I'll make the adjustment. You see, we all over time develop offensive ways. We talk too much. We want to have the last word. We, we push our agenda. And, and, and he just said, hey, Raw, you actually believe what we believe? I said, yes. But, but, and he said, and you've got the Holy Spirit, and it's good to, to bring the two together. Absolutely. So I'll make the adjustment. You see, over time, we develop habits, and we need people to speak into them. It helps us for the long haul. Because my job is actually to preach to people and to movements and to movements that I'm not a part of. And actually, I don't have to fight with you. I'm coming here to bless you. You understand that? You know, Winston Churchill, I went to his, when, I, when I was burnt out, I went to his war rooms. I'm nearly finished. I went to his war rooms and, and, and I walked down and, and it says, he said to his generals, by the decisions you are making, I'm convinced you do not want to win this war. And I thought, whew. I, I, th- I think we can get there sometimes as pastors, eh? Then I walked around the corner and it says, he mastered the English language and he sent it out to battle. And I felt God say, will you master the Bible and send it out to battle? So, so I can preach confidently on my theology knowing that I have a, 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 a working theology. But then I walked around the corner and his wife had written him a letter and said, dear Winston, I've noticed that you're particularly short and agitated with the people closest to you. This is obviously being caused by busyness and stress. Please give it your urgent attention, your loving wife, Clementine. And I think we need people to write us letters. Or like Rigby over Milo saying, Raw, it's unhelpful. 100% Riggs, I will change it. A very high view of God, a very high and honest assessment of your genius a hatred of God's enemies and a love of God's friends and an ongoing check of just the little things in our heart will help us to keep on keeping on. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 He's such a dear, dear friend to, uh, he and Mel to Sue and I, uh, Mel gets on the WhatsApp group and sends messages to Sue. Sorry, this time we can't all be together, but I hope, I hope you know this is an amazing ally, not just to Sue and I, but to all of us, to the people of God. And uh, he's come to sow 
sacrificially into the story that God is busy writing on this, on this continent. And uh, I always say the gospel moves forward in two fronts, the outermost parts of the world, the innermost parts of our heart. You've hit both. You've blown wind into our sail. And I just want to leave you with this little prophetic thing. Rory, you've put us on the front foot. You see, guys that run leaning backwards, we don't get to where we need to be. And I think we've just transitioned out of a really painful season, all of us, in various ways. And as I'm listening, I'm feeling like Beautiful. we have been put onto the front foot. Beautiful. And if we're going to keep on keeping on, if we're going to finish the race set before us, we're going to need to lean forward with the wind of God's spirit in our back, with these solid foundations that you've put in our hearts. Beautiful. I want to remember this. We, we glorify God, but we honor men. I want to honor you in front of all of these guys. Would you join me in just thanking Jesus Thank you, for this brother. gift? What does honor Christ? Thank you. Thank you, my brother. Thank you. Thank you. And just one thing before we go to tea. I honestly want to say this. Some of those prophetic words that were Rory just was dropping over individual lives. I want you to hear the multiplied application of some of those things to your life, to your situation. Don't think that because someone's name was used, you're excluded from the general sense of wind in the back and pushing us forward into the purposes of God. And I think we've each got a date with destiny, a walk in the forest, where we're going to go and pray the prayers of God. I want to trust you in a new way. Remember, we're on the front foot. I want to believe you. I want to trust your supernatural power to flow through the riverbed of my life, my church's life, our movement's life in a way that ground is taken for the glory of God and the fame of the only hero in the story, Jesus Christ himself. So I want to provoke us not to just say great talk. I want to provoke us to get those moments alone with God and say, Lord, whatever it is, Paul Morn, as Rory was speaking to, what's your name again? <laughs> I'm really good with names. Luke, honestly, I looked through and I thought that word is for more than, than, than Luke. It's for, it's for you. And I know you're part of our, our tribe, but I, the principle, you got to put your faith out and say, Lord, some of those promises, yes, there are the specifics. And we do need to understand the limits. We're not all called to the same thing. But that sense of quickening faith that moves you into a front-footed posture of faith and trust and belief. And Rory, you've activated a supernatural sense of expectation in our lives. Doug Fell, live with that new sense of uh, life on steroids as you trust God in this, in this new way. And then whatever your names are, I think God wants all of us to leave here baptized freshly in a sense of promise. Can we give the Lord a hand for that? Yay!